Hi, all. Thanks so much for watching Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta, and we are welcomed today by Dr. David Donahue, who is the Chief Medical Officer at both Progressive Health of Delaware and Poplar Care, the nation's lifestyle medicine network. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. So why don't you start by telling us what is different about lifestyle medicine? What does that mean? So lifestyle medicine, a fairly new specialty within medicine, kind of came along in the last 10 years or so. It could be viewed as a form of preventive medicine. In lifestyle medicine, we think of ourselves as very evidence-based. We're really focused on what are the interventions we can do to treat the underlying cause of your conditions? Uh, How can we treat the root of the problem? So so not so much band-aiding things over, but we want to get to the bottom of things and and uh, and get the most bang for our buck. So a lot of it's preventive medicine. It's it's a stitch in time saves nine. So you can do so much. Uh, you can save so much suffering and death if you uh, if you can connect people with uh, what it turns out to be the healthy lifestyle as the oftentimes the root cause of so um, so many people's health concerns. So uh, there's a, just a huge body of science around. The fact that uh, lifestyle, uh, m- most of the chronic diseases we suffer are uh, a result of the lifestyle that we lead. Um, most of the diseases we suffer from and most of the diseases that I as a primary care physician am concerned with are what we call diseases of Western civilization. And so they result from our lifestyle. So lifestyle medicine has six pillars, which we can get into the, the nutrition, the exercise, sleep, a healthy relationship with stress, healthy healthy relationships with people, and avoiding toxic substances. So those six categories of behaviors end up being really, really important for our long-term health. I need your help on uh, like half of those. I went to bed at three in the morning last night, the night before, oh, no. got up at seven. <laughs> I oh, no. um, I currently have McDonald's right here. I'm on quite a roll with your, your six pillars here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It, it's so it's so common. It's so normal to lead the life that we're accustomed to leading now. We're binge watching TV shows late at night. We're, Cobra Kai comes out in September. Add that to my I list. Mean, <laughs> I mean, you and my family as well. But seriously, though, I don't normally act like that. And I, I do believe what you're saying. I feel like it's so important because it does control these things. So when I have a week like this has just been an abnormal week for me. And when I have days like that, I think to myself, like, oh, my God, Stephanie, you are, you know, like all the things that you know you should be doing better that I'm not. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, obviously, that's a that's a great uh, segue there, uh, Stephanie. I think, Dave, I guess what I would love to know is how often when you're seeing a patient, is there something like a lifestyle issue that's underpinning the problem? Is there always one of these issues? Ultimately, that's one of your pillars that you think you're going to find. Uh, and uh, and so maybe let's start with that question. Then maybe I'll have some follow-ups after that. Well, the answer is usually. So like if somebody comes in just for one little problem, like they're having a urinary tract infection or something like that, <clears throat> we're not going to get into lifestyle. But if if I'm seeing somebody for a typical primary care visit and we're addressing things like their hypertension, their diabetes, their cholesterol, their gout, their chronic kidney disease, whatever it might be, um, their lifestyle is at the root of all of those things. Um, so 
So it, it comes up, it really should come up over and over and over. And even a lot of things that people don't think of as lifestyle related are lifestyle related, like whether you're getting reflux or whether you're getting um, gout attacks or kidney stones or even arthritic pain. Um, there's a huge lifestyle component to, to almost most of the things that people suffer from as we age. And so then my, I guess my next question, given that it's so prevalent, and, and I, I guess maybe it should be apparent to all of us that we think it's, it's probably not a surprise to what you're saying that this is so prevalent. How open are patients when you say, I think this might be caused by the way you're eating or you're not exercising and sort of everybody kind of knows that, but then you're going to tell them that again. So are they open to it and how effective are the interventions in actually making a change in their lifestyle? People are usually open to it. I mean, if you think about something like a chronic disease like high blood pressure, um, most there's a lot of people who don't want to take a drug for the rest of their life. Um, and and you know, it, it, when you think about it, it is a big thing to ask somebody to take this drug every day for the rest of, of your life. And when we tell people, well, you actually don't have to necessarily have this high blood pressure. Um, this is, this is, it's not normal to develop high blood pressure. It's developing for a reason, uh, in most cases. And, and let's get to the bottom of it. In many cases, the reason relates to our diet, but it could relate to our exercise or our sleep habits or excess alcohol or caffeine we might be taking in. Um, but if, if we really address this condition, um, by really trying to understand the root cause of it and really making some of these changes to see what works. Um, we can we can move mountains. I mean, we absolutely can and, uh, reverse conditions. So one of the things that lifestyle medicine pr prides itself in doing is being able to deprescribe medications, actually remove medications from people's lists, not just add them on. That's awesome. I feel like you need a bell when you get rid of the Lipitor. You don't ring the bell. <laughs> you need something <laughs> like that for your clinic. It sounds very exciting, but I'm fascinated in all of that. You know, like blood pressure. You said it's not just happening, you know, it's happening for a reason. And consciously, you know, that you think that those are the things that are attributable or that it's just like, okay, I'm now 55 and this is happening. So, but those also make sense that you can control them through lifestyle medication or lifestyle modifications like diet and exercise, but things like arthritis, which you said are something is something that could be controlled with lifestyle medicine is fascinating to me. How do you control arthritis? Something like that that just seems like that's, I don't, I don't even know what causes that. Is it overuse and proper use? How do you fix right. that through these measures? That's remarkable. So one of the things we pride ourselves in lifestyle medicine is we really try to stay close to the evidence. So like where, where is the science leading us? And that's where, that's where we go. An example would be uh, knee replacement. Um, you know, you get arthritis of the knee, you're, your orthopedist tells you we have to replace your knee. You get your knee replaced, pain goes away, right? That's how it's supposed to work. But there's research showing that if people can just lose 10 to 20 pounds, then they can have just as much reduction in knee pain long-term as if they went through the knee replacement surgery. So weight loss, so being overweight is at the root of things like knee pain. Um, but it, it, it extends to other forms of pain too, back pain or other forms of arthritis. And certainly the inflammatory arthritis is like rheumatoid arthritis. There's a, there's a huge connection in the lifestyle we lead. And there's lots of research showing that when we 
start exercising more, when we strengthen those joints, when we, so we, when we move more, when we eat better, we have the power of reducing our pain long-term. When we lose weight, pain goes down, function goes up. Um, so there's absolutely a whole lot we can do for arthritis. And that's just one of many, many conditions. Dementia, huge connection with lifestyle. They say dementia is 90% preventable if people would lead the healthy, healthy enough lifestyle. It's not something most people are aware of. One of the things that really gets me passionate is the, is the fact that we should be aware of this stuff. We should be aware of how important is, is it our lifestyle for, for our health and what are the things we can be doing that are healthy. But we, we never were taught it. Look, think back on your education, K through 12, college, postgraduate study, even in a medical education. Dr. Gupta, you probably have had this experience yourself. If you're like most doctors, they didn't teach us much about lifestyle, about nutrition. But it turns out there's 100,000 research articles come out every year just in nutrition science. But we don't have any visibility into it because we were never taught it. There's no drug company that's promoting that research. Um, so anyway. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And, and you know, Dave, it, I guess it's self-explanatory maybe for, for those of us in the field that we think the prevention aspect of it is less costly than the uh, the adverse events, complications, surgeries, medications. But is that also been demonstrated that if we if we spend six months or a year or a couple of years up front changing the lifestyle, that ultimately that pays off in terms of uh, return on investment and quality of life uh, later on? Well, hugely. I mean, if you look at the uh, research around obesity, for example, um, if we're able to make the preventive investment upfront to not, not become obese, our risks of, of everything from diabetes to dementia to arthritic pain to chronic kidney disease, et cetera, et cetera, goes down dramatically. So th there is just a whole lot of population level research, ep epidemiologic research and other interventional trials even that speak to the fact that the that that this stuff works uh, you can you can truly prevent diseases and these lifestyle changes really pay off in terms of uh, uh, avoiding diseases or mitigating the, the damage that you're going to have from a disease that you've got it's interesting that you said if you can prevent becoming obese in the first place so do you if you're somebody who you do gain a lot of weight and then you're able to lose that can you get back to whatever that same success level is of preventing disease? Or is there a difference between if you truly prevent it and you don't ever get to that point versus if you get to that point and then you get back to a healthy spot? Oh, um, it's, you can definitely, I mean, like if somebody has gained a lot of weight and then they lose a lot of weight and get back to where they were back in high school, they've dramatically reduced their long-term risk of, of all sorts of conditions. Cancer is, is much higher in people who are, who are heavier and overweight. So there, there's a, uh, it's never too late, absolutely, to do lifestyle medicine. We, we, I take the same approach with people I see in their 80s versus people I see in their 60s versus their 20s. Um, I can never predict who's going to engage the most with the messages we have to offer. Um, you literally can't predict. It could be that person in the walker who you think, well, why even talk about exercise with this person? This, that person could be the same person who's starting their first 5K a few months down the road. Uh, and we've, I've had these experiences. So, so it's never too late for anybody. There's, there's a huge value proposition for connecting with that healthier lifestyle. 
So I, I love the connection that you're making, David. Again, maybe we would think, uh, duh, you know, self-explanatory. This, this is something that we are hearing about all the time in our culture. Uh, so why aren't we doing it? And along those lines, I guess, just to make sure that it's not just the obvious. Uh, if someone does come into your office and they would benefit from a nutrition program or an exercise program, is there something different that you're offering them that makes it more effective? Is there a, a different kind of a program you've developed uh, or a group that you're working in partnership with? How do you get that, you know, kind of engaged the patient now engaged in the therapy itself? And what is it that makes that therapy maybe more or less effective than what any other physician may have access to? So one of the ways that in traditional medicine, we're taught to sort of write orders, and issue orders and boss people around, right? And we write prescriptions and we just tell people what to do. Um, but that doesn't work so well for behavior change. So the techniques that work for behavior change are more around the things like motivational interviewing, which I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, where you try to get people to engage in change talk. People express what they plan to do, not you're telling them what to do. Um, so setting smart goals, these kinds of techniques, and this, these are the kinds of things we, we use in lifestyle medicine. So one of the approaches that we follow is to not, not write the orders. We don't follow this dictatorial model. It's a partnership. We collaborate. Another, another approach we take is we take the long-term view. Um, and this patient, I can, I can see that I'm seeing this patient with a problem list of 10, 20 things. Uh, you know, everything from hypertension, diabetes, you know, polycystic ovarian syndrome, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I, I know that how we could get them healthier if they would only make these lifestyle changes, but they're not ready. But what I'm doing is like advertising. You know, they have to, people have to hear something 17 times before they buy it. So we start talking about, well, you know, we, we find things that they're willing to talk about. We, we encourage them to make those little changes. We get them to engage in the, the, the little change talk. Over time, we build on that because we have a long-term relationship with them. So that's one of the reasons why I think primary care is such a good marriage with lifestyle medicine is because you need that longitudinal relationship to really move the, the, the needle. One, one question I have, David, is how would somebody find an expert if they're listening to this interview or just generally hearing about it and they say, geez, this sounds amazing. You know, my doc doesn't really talk about this. He just tells me to go exercise. Uh, so where could they find this? How could they find this resource? That's one question. And, in, in, and a separate question that I had, I guess we didn't talk a lot about poplar care, but I'd love to know what your experience has been. It sounds like a fantastic uh, idea and probably would be of appeal to a great many people to say, hey, yeah, I could join this group. Uh, I as a, as a patient or is it I as a physician join this group? And now I can, you know, be much more focused on preventing, you know, issues. So uh, if you're able to maybe quickly answer both of those, I'd appreciate it. Well, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine is a great resource for practitioners um, of any kind, not just doctors. Uh, and that's a good place to go and become members. And that's through, through them that you can get board certified. Um, there, are, you could Google Find a lifestyle doc near me, for example, and you'll. There's a few online databases you can look up. Um, our our network, Poplar, is basically devoted to trying to help primary care practices get paid for lifestyle medicine and preventive medicine and high high value medicine because the 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 existing system, the fee for service system, is, has these perverse incentives where you really make more money if you do 
if, if you do a, a quicker job, if you don't do as thorough a job, and if you don't practice lifestyle medicine. So the whole reason why Poplar exists is we want to uh, find ways for those high value practices out there to get paid to deliver this high value care so they don't have to go out of business because they decided they wanted to um, do the right thing. I feel like we focus so much on the patient. Apoorv and I are just very interested in, in the lifestyle, life of style. Uh, but you said two things, and you were talking about dementia reduction. And you said most people don't know that you can reduce dementia. There's an, or, you know, reduce it 90% chance of getting it. However you said it, you'll say it again more eloquently, I'm sure. But I feel like we cannot end an interview without you telling us there is a way, a 90% way to reduce dementia and not tell people what that is. And then my combo question with that is how much does hope or belief play into this, that people really, do you have to get them to a point that they really can see like, oh my God, maybe this really can change my life. And uh, there is hope to make this change and not need these pills. So how do we prevent this dementia? Cause I need to know. And then how does hope and um, belief play into it? Yeah. And I don't mean to say it's, it's a 90%, it's a, it's a slam dunk. I will not, I will not, I will not write, make you write that in blood. But um, there is, we're converging on evidence that, that it's, it's somewhere around a 90% figure that dementia might be 90% uh, preventable. Hope, purpose. I mean, one of the things I really try to connect people with is their sense of purpose and why are they here on this planet? Um, and, and, the other, and hope is absolutely part of our message because as I said, at any age, at any stage, no matter where you are, um, you have a lot more power over your health than you are aware of. Um, usually. And so making these, these lifestyle changes can really help uh, extend life, extend quality of life. Dementia, um, we think it, it relates to uh, the, new, the foods we eat in a very big way, um, the exercise we get in a very big way, um, the, uh, the stress that we have, that's, that's a known um, uh, big time risk factor. Um, the sleep Sleep is vital. People who sleep four hours a night have much higher rates of dementia, Stephanie. Um, so you don't a want to do that. if I start asking some strange questions, <laughs> you send me <laughs> Habitually. You don't want to do that habitually. Yeah, but, <laughs> and, uh, and then finally, the, the degree to which people are staying socially connected and staying cognitively active. So you don't, what you don't want to do is have a high-powered job and then retire and do nothing. That's a very uh, common uh, pathway to dementia. So it, it, if you lead a lifestyle where you check, you're checking all the boxes, you're running on, on all cylinders in a healthy way for decades, you really can reduce long-term your risk, even if you have, you're carrying the genetics that make you higher at risk of dementia. What would you tell doctors who are just getting out of medical school, who may not have learned all about this in school, like you and Apoor were talking about before. So what do you tell them what is that message? The one thing that you could tell them, you need to know this, or here's why this is important. Well, I'll give a reference to my favorite um, scientific source, and it's nutritionfacts.org. So uh, this website is amazing. Uh, Dr. Michael Greger has really gotten his hands around almost the totality of the science in this whole field. And he's got thousands of nutrition videos that are like five minutes each, and they just show science. And they teach you ways you can address almost any condition you can imagine with a lifestyle approach um, through, through just showing what the science says. And so it's, it's very convincing. I tell, people, I tell my patients, spend an hour on this website, you're gonna know more nutrition than most doctors do. 
And I don't mean that disparagingly. It's just, we're not taught this stuff. As I said earlier, we are not taught this stuff. We should be taught this stuff. I think it's more important than math. We should have had this instead of math class all the way through. We would be a better, we would be better off. It's super valuable information. We've all got bodies. We want to keep running as long as possible. Well, thank you so much. This was really a fascinating conversation. I learned so much. That was very educational. Yeah, very empowering. Thank awesome. Thank you. And thank you all for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.